This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Great afternoon for talk radio. We're uh, awaiting our guest here. But in the interim, let me just remind you, uh, Boris Johnson, UK prime minister, uh, he's now in the intensive care unit in the hospital in London because his condition has worsened. This is his office saying it's worsened. And I don't know what we take from this because here's a guy, this was 10 days into his quarantine. You know, when he first admitted that he had some early symptoms and they were mild, but he was tested anyway, found to be positive and self-isolating at 10 Downing Street. Well, here he is. Uh, He goes into ICU because the conditions have worsened and to be placed on a ventilator at this point. I mean, you know, they say the longer it goes on a ventilator, uh, your prospects start to diminish. And so, you know, we'll keep our fingers crossed, but uh, this might also be uh, an object lesson in how you need to really get proactive on this thing, because Britain was kind of slow. They initially thought herd mentality was going to see them through to the other end, as Sweden has sort of practiced, uh, even there reconsidering, and the UK did pivot, did a 180 about face. All that being said, uh, it's sort of Well, you know, we'll watch with interest the outcome here. Maybe a stark reminder that the social distancing, as much as it may seem a disruption and an inconvenience, is in fact very, very necessary. One who says as much is Amir Atharan. He's a biomedical scientist, lawyer, and professor in the Faculty of Law and School of Epidemiology and Public Health at the University of Ottawa. And he's recently written a piece uh, that sort of sets out a pretty uh, concise game plan for seeing us through to the other end of this thing. He's joined us here on the Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Dr. Adaran, nice to have you on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. I was just citing the story of uh, Boris Johnson in the U.K. and a real turnaround there. And the U.K. initially had sort of gone with this idea of, well, let's just keep it open, take our time here, which may be instructive because I know in your piece for McLean's you cited what we really need is a total lockdown. Let's get really serious and severe on this. Tell us why you think that's the best route through. It's the only route through. There isn't going to be a vaccine this year. Anyone who says otherwise is dreaming. Um, I wish there were, but it won't happen. It just is going to take longer than we can remain locked down. Uh, So that option's off the table. There's no drug that blunts the worst of the disease. I know President Trump thinks there is. I haven't seen where he got his medical degree from other than the back of a cereal box. The only option is for us to stay apart from one another. What goes by this crazy term of social distancing It's a fancy word, pair of words, and all it means really is please stay away from other people so that if they're infected, you don't become infected, and if you're infected, they don't. That's really the only tool that's left. And if we apply it enough, and so far we aren't, Canada's not doing a brilliant job at social distancing compared to some other countries, we'll eventually come to a point where in the community The transmission of this disease tapers off and gets to nearly nothing. And at that point, we can start thinking about how to put people back in the community and their jobs and end the suffering that we're all in safely. We have to get to that point first. I've heard a converse uh, opinion on this, or at least a different approach that says, you know, you've got to expose enough people to arrive at herd mentality. Uh, 
immunity, yeah. herd immunity. Yeah, yeah, herd immunity. I mean, we've all, almost got a herd mentality here. My apologies. But the herd immunity, uh, which doesn't really come if we continue to practice successful social distancing, or does it? It will if we then get to the second step of the plan, which is releasing people back into the community. And to do that, once we are at a point of relative safety where there isn't a risk of our hospitals being overwhelmed and patients not getting care, because that's how you send the death rate through the roof. When we get to the point that infections in the community are low enough that we can introduce people back, we should start with those who are least likely to become seriously ill. That means the young. That means people in generally good health, because if they get ill, they're less likely to become seriously ill. They're less likely to end up in the intensive care unit or on a ventilator. We would want, obviously, to introduce people back into society from those who are best able to not become seriously ill, the strongest, if you will, in our society, through to those who are a middle risk and ending with those who are at the highest risk, like the elderly, like those who are immunosuppressed for some reason, for instance, cancer treatment. Because if we do it in that order, we're building herd immunity step by step, but starting with those who are most likely to survive if they become ill, rather than throwing everyone out there at the same time, undoubtedly overwhelming the hospitals and making sure that lots of people die without care and also undoubtedly with killing more people than we have to because we'll be at that point getting our elderly sick. But don't we need the clarity of mass testing before we can start to introduce some back into and integrate them into the, uh, the society and know who we isolate? I mean, it's all predicated on mass testing, isn't it? It is. And, and that's why Canada's lack of preparation on testing has done us so much harm and continues. We're not among the best. We've been, especially in Ontario, very slow to scale up our capacity to test people. And this leads to a lot of misunderstanding because there are too many headlines that say, uh, you know, the number of confirmed cases is going up or slowing down and not going up as quickly, what people fail to recognize is the number of confirmed cases depends on how much you test. If you don't test many people, then the number of confirmed cases won't go up because you're not using the test to confirm, even though the number of infections may be going up a lot. Without the testing capacity of a country like South Korea or Singapore, or Germany, countries that really took testing as far as they could. We are not fighting this pandemic in the way we should be. And so my highest recommendations for government are get testing fixed first. And in the meantime, try and make sure everybody understands that staying away from others is the only tool we've got. And we have to do it much more concertedly and aggressively than in some places of Canada we are. I know that's Again, a terrible message, but without going through the dark bit of the tunnel, we're not going to end up at the light side of the tunnel. 
Amir Adaran, epidemiologist at the University of Ottawa, on this whole idea of having a game plan to see us through to the other end. You know, it's interesting you said we were caught unawares or unprepared. I don't understand that. After SARS, I mean, in 2003, how could we have dropped the ball? I mean, uh, everybody was anticipating there's going to be something coming down the pipe at some point anyway. Wasn't that an object lesson right there? Lots of scientists warned about it. The Auditor General wrote three warnings to Parliament about it. And politicians, whether they're conservative or liberal, didn't pay attention. The Conservatives under Stephen Harper cut the budget for public health. The Liberals have now had, under, under Justin Trudeau, three health ministers in a row. And if you look at the mandate letters, the to-do list, basically, that the Prime Minister gave his three health ministers, in none of the three is pandemic preparedness even mentioned. And this is how we've ended up where we are, that although scientists have warned again and again what our vulnerability would be to a pandemic, governments didn't prepare. Let me ask you finally, because you do say uh, one of your final steps is contact tracing, as that becomes uh, very, very critical to uh, going forward. We can coexist with the virus in a careful way. You look at Singapore and now Hong Kong as well, uh, who had muted it pretty successfully in the first wave, but a second wave seems now to be coming around. Why would we be more successful, or how would we be more successful the second go-round, even though we're still in the throes of the first one, certainly? Can I, can I use an analogy to answer this? Mm-hmm. Imagine yourself in a forest. Fires happen in a forest. There's only two ways they happen. It's either a wildfire that runs out of control and causes oh so much devastation, or it's a controlled burn. And the difference is a wildfire is fire happening on its terms, but a controlled burn is a fire happening on the terms of the fire chief. And I know which one I would rather pick. There isn't an option of having no fire. We can only choose to have the safest possible fire in the forest. And it's exactly like that with this epidemic. We are going to, after we suppress this first wave, make decisions that lead to a second wave. No doubt, Singapore's making those decisions now, and we're going to face it too. That's the controlled burn. What we need to do is plan it in a way where we have the testing, we have the contact tracing to trace new infections really quickly and make sure they don't spread too far to give us the tools of the controlled burn. I hope you're right at the expense of... Well, yeah, and uh, expensive lessons being learned right now in terms of uh, lives and disruption economically and otherwise and uh, so as a consequence if the takeaway from this isn't something that prepares us for the next round uh, I don't know where we go after that. Dr. Atteran really appreciate your insight. I would recommend uh, folks reading that piece of McLean's I thought it was very insightful and kind of gave us hope for at least staying disciplined and doing our part. Thanks so much for having me on. You got it. Amir Adran, biomedical scientist, lawyer, professor in the Faculty of Law in the School of Epidemiology and Public Health at the University of Ottawa. Got a lot of credits to his name. Uh, worth paying attention to. And what he said, though, uh, was that social distancing right now is the best we have on offer, and we ought to practice it uh, very, very strictly. 
Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 